You can't unpush it. Okay. All right. Hey, everyone, and welcome to Chef AJ Live. I'm your host, Chef AJ, and this is where I introduce you to amazing people like you who are doing great things in the world that I think you should know about. Well, today is the third Monday of the month, which means it's time with Healing Spices with Dr. Sunil Pai, and he is going to be doing the next series of spices, which I knew what they were, but he removed his slide from the screen, but I know there's some saffron in there, and there's some pumpkin seed, and Whatever it is, it'll be fabulous. Hi, Dr. Pai. Hi, how are you doing? Show. You've got your own series of fans like Richard Hubbard. There's certain people that just so look forward to these presentations. And what are the spices today? Well, today we're going to talk about pomegranate, pumpkin seed, rosemary, and saffron. But before we get started, I want to give a couple of shout outs today. So first and foremost, I want to give a shout out to one of my favorite people in my whole world is my mom. Okay, today's her birthday. She's 79 years old. So happy birthday, mom. Uh, she was one of the first people to kind of introduce me into natural medicine. She actually met Andrew Weil early when Andrew Weil was first starting uh, and had his first book at a trade show. Uh, my mom has been in the health industry for like 40 years as well. And she got a book, you know, photo and, you know, signed copy. And I was, you know, in high school or something like that. And anyway, she gave it to me. And, you know, growing up in a family of, of medicine around me, it really started piquing my interest of natural medicines. And my mom actually later on started to create a, a women's health company. She's created um, an entire food line, which was organic. It was plant-based. It was no sugar, no salt, no oil. It was in the, you know, it was in the elite of the kind of cleanest foods that you can have. This is like in the eighties, by the way. So this is when we had like Mrs. Gucci's and tree of life stores. These were real health stores where there was criteria to get into the store of how clean a product would be. Now, like we have a whole foods, which means nothing to me. Just real health stores where there was criteria you know, uh, it's a big uh, uh, stores. And so uh, later on, uh, she started creating a company that did uh, women's health cottage industry uh, products like jute bags and stuff like that. She ran it for 30 years. And we just recently, she just recently retired. And so uh, just uh, recently, uh, she donated 3000 bags to a, uh, a, an organization called Border Servant Corps. If you go to Border Servant Corps, you can even look at up Facebook and stuff. You'll see a little postage and a thank you for my mom, because for all the immigrants and refugees who are coming across the border and they need a little bit of humility and dignity and some things, you know, when they come across, uh, we were able to provide them and, and donated these wonderful little bags so that the children and the women, you know, instead of putting stuff in trash bags, government takes away all their stuff when they come across the border uh, who are as refugees or seeking asylum. And this is a way that we can kind of provide people with dignity and humility with some natural goods. So I just want to give a shout out to my mom today since she's 79. And it's been always an inspiration for me to continue doing what I'm doing in trailblazing and helping people. So uh, happy birthday, mom. Uh, the second shout out I want to give out to is actually a wonderful couple that actually came to my office last week, uh, Dr. and Mrs. LaVisca Betts. So hopefully it's pronounced their name correctly. They came all the way from Toronto, Canada. Uh, they came into the center, uh, our Sanjevani Integrative Medicine Health and Lifestyle Center here in Albuquerque, uh, all the way from Toronto. Uh, they've been uh, active purchasers of Bosmeric SR, which is our natural anti-inflammatory. They use it for their patients and themselves uh, very successfully for now seven years. And they wanted to come to my clinic just to say hello, which is which is wonderful. So, And also they wanted to mention that they were watching this healing spices on chef aj's channel so i want to give a great shout out to all the canadian listeners uh in the north um right now thank you for watching it's really great to have this kind of an uh you know, a worldwide reach and actually having, you know, communication with those people coming in. is just nice to put a friendly face. So thanks to everybody in Canada who are listening today. 
and going on forward. So today I'm going to talk about wonderful spices here and let's get started. All right, just give me one second here. All right, so today we're going to talk about pomegranate, pumpkin seed, rosemary, and one of my favorites, which is saffron. And again, a lot of this information is coming from this wonderful book called Healing Spices, which uh, uh, we just actually had a wonderful cooking class this uh, weekend at San Gemini. Uh, Maureen uh, made some wonderful, we actually made a vegan shepherd pie uh, and a wonderful uh, salad to go along with that. Um, and a lot of the spices that I've been talking about come from this book. So I recommend people just to get this book on Amazon or if they're in our office, they can come get it here. And also, if you haven't uh, got a copy of my best-selling book, An Inflammation Nation, to learn about the top 10 steps of how to prevent and reverse uh, all disease by looking at inflammation and lifestyle and dietary changes. So let's get started. An introduction to you know optimum health is eating a whole food plant-based diet, as we all know. But more importantly, what we're missing, in my opinion, a lot of times in the plant-based diet, particularly here in the United States, is you know the flavors and uh, the herbs and spices. And so, with this introduction, and this is going to be part ten of the series. So once a month, we've been doing this. So if you haven't listened to any of those, go back and listen to all of them. But we're covering fifty spices, and uh, these are a little bit about how food is medicine and understanding these aspects of foods will let you know like why we go to plant-based diets and why we start incorporating more of these herbs and spices because that was what makes us uh, healthier and have better health outcomes. So today we're going to start off number 37 is pomegranate, a pharmacy unto itself. Now, pomegranate is great. I love pomegranates. Uh, they may help and prevent the following uh, Alzheimer's disease, uh, both types of uh, arthritis, osteo and rheumatoid. Uh, atherosclerosis, which is really important. Uh, and remember, number one cause of death in America is heart disease. Three people every minute have a heart attack in America. It also helps with angina, chest pain, cancer, colitis, which is inflammation in the bowel, uh, denture problem and gum problems, diabetes, diabetes obesity, erectile dysfunction in men, and also infertility in men, uh, just generalized fatigue, flu, uh, blood pressure, and also from internal aspects of skin, it helps with wrinkles. Now, the benefits of pomegranate are, are amazing. And first, I want to talk about what's in the center here, which is increasing nitric oxide. We all understand the importance of nitric oxide, right? We hear it with like beets, uh, you know, and, and all these red colored foods. Um, and uh, nitric oxide is important because nitric oxide is, you know, which the Nobel Prize, uh, which was given for the scientists who discovered it, uh, or the scientists who discovered it, is that it helps vasodilate the endothelial lining. So the internal like lining of your arteries, it helps with relaxing that and it ha helps fight inflammation. It helps fight oxidation. And it's super important because pomegranate is more potent in, in increasing nitric oxide and preventing the degradation of nitric oxide more than vitamin C, more than vitamin E, more than blueberries, red wine, you know, Concord grapes. And it decreases, you know, by, by this vasodilation, you know, and lowering blood pressure, it lowers blood pressure 5%, which is pretty nice. And it, it decreases ACE. Uh, when people take a blood pressure medication called an ACE inhibitor called lisinopril, monopril, one of the most common blood pressure medications, this actually starts affecting that enzyme 31%. So it's pretty good, you know. And also when you look at vasodilating, in the studies looking at erectile dysfunction in men, in a little as two weeks, they start improve, improving uh, vascular flow and improving uh, ED. So these are great things that people can take uh, that don't have uh, any uh, side effects. Decreases, again, chest pain by 50%. Now, with this increase of um, 
vasodilation with nitric oxide. It has been shown with all the uh, antioxidant and, and other beneficial, beneficial chemicals in pomegranate is it, it actually reduces your total cholesterol. Uh, it reduces your bad cholesterol, your LDL, and it increases your good cholesterol by 40% from oxidizing. So trying to prevent this, you know, oxidizing this bad LDL cholesterol. It decreases 58% of oxidized blood fats and decreases 71% cellular oxidation. So an amazing antioxidant within itself. And if patients who drink eight ounces of juice daily, this is really important, eight ounces of juice daily had a 30% decrease in arterial plaque in one year. Now, remember, the only thing that's been shown to reverse coronary plaque significantly, okay, is plant-based diet. And this is one of the reasons why, because as you know, and if you go back in all the 10 series, all these plants usually have, and, and, and herbs and spices usually have a heart health protecting benefit. And here, just drinking the juice. So if someone who's really has heart disease and they're like, I don't want to take statins, or I've had side effects of statins, or I'm tired of, you know, taking, you know, all these medications for my heart, well, then drink eight ounces of uh, pomegranate juice every day for a year, and you'll start seeing 30% improvement of the arterial plaque. So this is fantastic because it's something that when people have chest pain and they're on a, a variety of medications, to stabilize them is something that will give them, you know, a, a bunch of nutrition and a bunch of benefits just in one, one beverage. It does have a lot of cancer support. Interesting thing is when we look at prostate cancer specifically, um, when men have prostate cancer, uh, and they have surgery or radiation, you know, there's usually, they follow them with what they call a PSA, which is the prostate specific antigen. And, uh, when they see that usually for most people in general, the data will show that within 15 months, you know, after the surgery or the radiation, um, we start seeing a small rise uh, of that growth of prostate cancer again. And um, interesting thing is when people took the um, men who had prostate cancer who took the pomegranate, they actually, instead of 15 months showing the little bit of an increase in growth, it was delayed up to 54 months. So it's almost four and a half years later, it, you know, that's the protective benefit of prostate cancer. 12% decrease in prostate, prostate cancer growth and 17% increase in the death of cancer cells. It's pretty impressive just by one thing. Now, you can imagine when you're eating a whole foods plant-based diet and all the other things I've talked about um, in the past uh, episodes, these are things that help also lower NF-kappa-beta, which is a major uh, activator of inflammation in the body. Cancer support continuing. I mean, look at this, 87% reduction in the growth of breast cancer, 44% reduction in the growth of colon cancer, 61% uh, reduction in lung cancer. Uh, even in the studies when they actually put the, the pomegranate uh, extracts into a topical cream, it also helped reduce the growth and spread of skin cancers. And in the cell cultures, it even showed uh, stopping the growth of leukemia. So there's no like negative here. It's just, you know, just getting the pomegranates and, and consuming them more into our diet. Uh, weight loss and wrinkles. And when they showed in the animal studies, when they fed the extract to the animals, they actually ate less and they lost um, weight and also fat. And also women who took an extract, you know, for four weeks, they actually had less skin damage. Again, to the antioxidant effects of uh, the pomegranate, it actually prevents like UV light and uh, less wrinkles. Uh, that's the component called elegic acid, which you'll see a lot of times when you see like a, a pomegranate supplement or sometimes it's standardized to that, that component. 
An interesting thing is, again, with vascular health and antioxidant health, we're looking at Alzheimer's disease. Now, this is an animal model, but when they started feeding the animal the uh, pomegranate at birth and they track it throughout their life and they're doing these models of you know, Alzheimer's disease models, they found that the, the animals were more alert and 50% reduction in the amyloid, which is the kind of the plaques that are built up in the brain, one of the plaques of the three, uh, so 50% less. So there's ways that we can start, like if we're giving our kids instead of a soda, pomegranate juice now sometimes you know again it's sweet by itself when they're just blending it but if it's if it's a little bit bitter for some people you know they can put in some monk fruit uh, or some stevia that doesn't affect their blood sugar but it can make it a little bit sweeter for those who want it a little bit more sweet but these are the wonderful things that pomegranate does now examples are you know i love the way pomegranates it always brings color to the meal um and so i use it like in salsas all the time uh, and there's a, a great dish, charred eggplant with burrata vegan cheese you can make uh, with pomegranate walnut relish. That's right here. It's, it's a delicious dish. Uh, persimmons, pomegranate, purslane with pepitas. So I just, again, putting it in salads, put it in, you know, in, in on desserts, even just having it as a beverage or, or like a cranberry uh, pomegranate sauce. It's just one of those things that has a little bit of crunch, a little bit of sweetness, a little bit of tartness, and has all these wonderful aspects for health. Um, now, we had this wonderful class this weekend, uh, cooking class. Uh, Maureen was giving it, and we had some of the, the our patients that, uh, who come to our center who attended the class also participate, and we were making the salad. It's almost very similar to the salad over here. We had, we had kale, we had greens, we had a little bit of avocados, and we had some cranberries, and we were putting in some pomegranate. And so one thing that I learned, because I was doing this wrong, again, this is what you can learn when you watch YouTube or you watch uh, things online, is how to cut a pomegranate. So you want to take the top of it, and you want to cut this top going down peeling it off and then you can kind of like split it almost like an orange now the interesting thing is when i was a kid and i we used to always have pomegranates you know i used to sit there and kind of pick it out and maureen loves pomegranates more than me and the reason why i didn't like pomegranates because it was just it seemed like a, a labor a chore just to get all these little things out of the pomegranate itself and then you know it's a very simple way which i learned late in my life how you actually get the pomegranate seeds out is that you just get a bowl of water filtered cold water, turn it upside down. And then you just get like a wooden spoon or, you know, or spatula. And you want to kind of just kind of, you know, tap the top, the outside of the pomegranate once you've kind of opened it up. And I'll just, they start falling out. Each individual um, kind of pomegranate seed just falls out into the bowl. And then you just drain it. Anything that falls out, you just drain it or you can skim the top. Easy way rather than trying to pick out the pomegranates and getting your hands all stained and red. So a simple little trick. If you didn't hear what I had to say, go to say, you know, on YouTube, uh, how do you open a pomegranate? Easy way to do that. Same thing with avocados. Just letting you know when you cut an avocado, you open it instead of chopping and trying to hit the knife and pulling it out that way. A lot of people cut themselves. Just turn the, the avocado around and push it from the back and pops out the uh, avocado seed. Very, very simple. Things that we sometimes forget or don't even know were coming from the other side. So pomegranate pairs and complements with the following, ajuan, allspice, cardamom, chili, cinnamon, cumin, fennel seed, fenugreek, garlic, ginger, mint, mustard seed, onion, and turmeric. Now I've covered almost all of these uh, in previous um, episodes. So if you haven't heard of these things or you're interested, please go back and listen to them. And it complements salads, desserts, and drinks. Now, the next food or spice I'm going to talk about or herb is going to be 
uh, number 38, which is pumpkin seeds. So it's, it's the shielding of the prostate. I love pumpkin seeds. Uh, and, you know, we love pumpkin seeds because they're just delicious and they're crunchy and they're tasty. Um, sometimes we also can call them pepitas, but the pepitas are slightly different because when it comes from the squash, pepitas actually don't have the shell where pumpkin seeds, you actually will come, you know, in a shell. And then when you bite, they'll be shelled. Um, and two aspects of, uh, ask, aspects of pumpkin seeds that you should know about is that when they're in the raw form, which is the picture here, they're kind of green and they're a little bit more chewy. They actually have a higher nutrient density with all seeds. When they're raw, they have more nutrient density. They're a little bit more chewy. And, you know, most of us actually, like my, myself included, I kind of sometimes prefer a little bit of the roasted, right? Because it has just a little bit more of a crunch. Uh, sometimes you can add like tamari if you want a little bit of a salty kind of taste to it or a little bit of cayenne or other kind of spices to flavor it up. But what I like to tell my patients, what I do myself also, is I usually get when I have seeds, whether it's sunflower seeds or pumpkin seeds here, is I usually get a, a bag of organic uh, raw uh, unsalted, and I also get a, a organic roasted. Uh, same thing with any seeds. And I put them together and I mix it because we all like kind of like that crunchiness. But after you start eating pumpkin seeds that are raw, in the beginning, it's kind of weird, at least for me, it was kind of chewy and all. But later on, it's like you actually start craving it. It's, it actually has a, a unique taste. It's actually sweeter. And so mixing, mixing raw and roasted seeds is always a kind of a nice way to kind of sneak in more nutrition rather than just having roasted now, pumpkin seeds are great because it's high in iron, so it can be helpful for those people who have iron deficiency anemia. It has anti-inflammatory effects, so for rheumatoid and arthritis, it helps with prostate. Again, it's one of the things that shield the prostate for benign prostate hyperplasia. So as men get older, we have difficulty with urination. Our prostate gets bigger. It's not always prostate cancer, but pumpkin seeds give the nutrients or one of the foods that have really specific issues that can target the benefits of of delaying and, and improving our prostate function. Again, it lowers cholesterol, helps with heart disease, actually shows improvement with hair, hair growth. I'll talk about that and helps with urinary incontinence. Now, prostate health again. So when we take the, the, the pumpkin seeds and you know now you can see that's been extracted, they make it in pumpkin seed oil, they make it in supplements, but eating it, you, know, you don't need to eat that much a day to actually have the, the health benefits uh, so I just recommend people eating it. But those people who want to supplement, and that's what the studies have been done on, 320 milligrams daily uh, for one year, increased, uh, improved their uh, BPH symptoms, their benign prostate hypertrophy by 58%. So again, like, you know, when we give drugs, prescription drugs, Flomax and other kind of medications for the prostate, you know, we're getting like 10%, 15% improvement if we're lucky. And here, 58%, you know, maximal urinary flow rate increased by 13%. And when they did a quality life questionnaire to these men who had BPH, it improved 41%. Because, you know, if you have better flow and you're having less symptoms up to 60% uh, improvement, that improves way of better your quality of life. Um, the phytosterol actions of the Pumpkin, seed, pumpkin seeds also help block the action of 5-alpha reductase. This is the enzyme that converts testosterone to DHT. So when we're looking at then like hair growth, right over here, when you look at hair growth and people take uh, like uh, specific medications that block it, you know, um, Propecia, for example, is one or Proscar used to be um, and other kind of medications they are trying to block DHT blockers in the scalp. This is to help for men. So that when we have this kind of male pattern baldness, we take the, you know, these medications to block that. But pumpkin seeds do that naturally. And so both the pumpkin seed oil 
orally. So just taking it, you know, an organic pumpkin seed oil or eating pumpkin seeds regularly to get the protein, the fiber and all the other nutrients with it, or even also using the pumpkin seed oil organically topically on the scalp. That has been also been shown to help prevent hair loss and actually promote hair growth. So again, something that you can easily do uh, for those men who are looking for something natural to use. And you'll start seeing a lot of products out there, especially topicals now, or, or shampoos and all these things having a little bit of pumpkin seed and also rosemary, which we'll talk about coming soon. Um, the benefits of pumpkin seeds also now go to heart health. Again, reducing the cholesterol, reducing the bad cholesterol, reducing triglycerides, super high in fiber, and also high in polyunsaturated fats. Um, helps with uh, iron deficiency anemia because it has anemia. So the studies that we're showing for women who are anemic, having them eating more uh, pumpkin seeds improve their overall iron levels. And remember, iron that comes from plants is beneficial. Iron that actually comes when they call heme iron that comes from animal protein is actually not helpful for us. In fact, you know, unfortunately, most doctors still to today will tell you, especially if you're a woman, you're having heavy menstrual cycles or you're pregnant or this or that, or we or you're a man and you have say ulcer or history of colitis, and there's a little bit of blood loss, a little bit of anemia going on. They'll say, hey, just go eat some red meat, go have a steak is kind of what the doctors used to say. And yes, the blood levels, the iron levels will go up very, very quickly. However, heme iron that comes from an animal protein is pro-inflammatory, which we don't want, is atherogenic, which actually helps actually make more uh, cholesterol and plaque de develop in the arteries. And also it is pro-carcinogenic. It actually feeds more cancer growth. So we don't see that at all when we have plant iron. So all the green leafy vegetables that you can have and here, pumpkin seeds. Uh, remember Popeye was onto something. So just kind of remember that. Eat more spinach, eat more greens and eat more pumpkin seeds. It, the pumpkin seed oil from the pumpkin seeds also reduces swelling in rheumatoid arthritis. Again, the anti-inflammatory effects. And more importantly, what I love about pumpkin seeds inside of the taste and the crunch and it's easy to put in foods and snacks, but it's a good source of magnesium. Now, remember, magnesium covers more than 300 reactions in the body. Uh, it's been, you know, magnesium is helpful for blood pressure and sleep. Uh, also has a high level of zinc. Uh, zinc's good for your immune system, for your skin health, and also for fertility, uh, men's issues like sperm quality, and, and just just general health. So eating more pumpkin seeds is a great snack. A lot of people want to always go to nuts, 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 but I like to kind of go for some of the seeds because the seeds also can give you some of these other additional benefits that the nuts may be limited to. Now, example of pumpkin seeds, uh, you know, I love pumpkin seeds. We use a lot of pumpkin seeds here in the Southwest. We, you know, we roast them again, uh, uh, pepitas as we use them. I have an allergy to nuts, unfortunately. So it's quite difficult being plant-based when everything is made out of, you know, cashews or um, uh, pistachios, for example. So I like to use the pumpkin seeds when we make pesto. And it's one of my favorite things. And you can see here, you know, kale and mustard greens with papitas and red onions in a salad or spiced pumpkin seed and a cashew crunch. Uh, these are these, you know, you can even make a, a, a brittle, which is great, a pumpkin seed brittle instead of, you know, using the peanuts. Um, and so I, I, I like to use the, the pumpkin seeds uh, in a variety of dishes, but try to explore it. You can even just have them raw. You can, you can spice them up if you like. Um, we like to make a pumpkin seed mole. Again, I'm allergic to the nuts. So we like to use the pumpkin seed as an alternative uh, when we have nut dishes, but it, it provides a great crunch uh, and, and a chew, uh, a texture to a variety of meals. So try to add some more pumpkin seeds to your um, culinary delights. Now, it pairs with black cumin seed, again, pumpkin seed, 
cardamom, chili, cacao, coriander, cumin, garlic, onion, oregano, sesame seed, sun-dried tomatoes, which I'll talk about next week, and thyme. And it complements cakes, cookies, muffins, salads, sauces, and soups. So one thing, you know, make sure. Now, pumpkin seeds, you know, what I always tell people with all seeds, make sure when you get it from the store, uh, I always like to transfer it to glass, put it in a jar, and then put it in the fridge. I like to keep them cold. You know, these things do oxidize, and the oils become rancid over time. So you want to keep the freshness as much as possible. If you ever get, uh, that's why they roast them, by the way, because when they roast it, they kind of preserve it so they don't actually go off as much. But if you ever get a seed or a nut that smells off and has like an oil smell, um, then a lot of times some of the stores, they, they might be sitting out too long or they're not kept refrigerated and it's too hot and those oils become volatile and rancid. So always make sure that, you know, when you have your, your seeds, you're using them uh, quite regularly. And if it ever has a weird smell uh, to that, then definitely uh, you want to toss it out and get some fresh ones. Number 39 is rosemary. Now, this is the cancer guard for the grill. I'll explain that in a minute, but it, it rosemary is one of my favorites. We actually grow rosemary in our backyard. We have this rosemary bush. It's about six feet. It's huge. And our dog, Winnie, everybody knows Princess Winnie now in, in our clinic. She comes to work with us every day for 12 years. But as now she's the bush is so big, she can't get behind it. We used to go run and play in this bush and she would come back with this wonderful rosemary smell, which we enjoyed because it's always good to have a dog that smells better than, than the outside. So rosemary is one thing that you can easily, easily grow. Um, and it really doesn't take much maintenance. Now, rosemary can be helpful. Uh, it may prevent and treat the following anxiety, depression, stress. Again, both types of uh, arthritis, osteo-rheumatoid uh, helps lower and limit the, the, the production of blood clots. A lot of information on cancer. Again, depression, again, with the anxiety, dermatitis, diabetes, gout, heart disease, liver disease, memory, memory, memory. Remember rosemary and memory um, and uh, stroke, ulcers, and urinary tract infections. Now, one thing I want to mention is that, you know, historically, when you look at uh, rosemary, this is one thing that was highlighted uh, in the book, Healing Spices, which is fantastic to kind of learn about, is that we've all been learning about what they call heterocyclic amines, HCAs. You've been hearing about this for 10 years. It's, it's, it's the byproduct uh, when we cook high temperature foods, particularly animal proteins is what creates the HCAs. And so, you know, and most through history, you know, we were using a lot of grilling, broiling, you know, barbecuing kind of things like that. And now we actually have also frying uh, and smoking and things like that, you know, high temperature cooking. But as animal protein is charred and cooked at high temperatures, it creates these heterocyclic amines, which are now uh, viewed as carcinogens. And these are the things that cause, can cause cancer on top of just having the animal protein that already has those risks, having, you know, cholesterol, having no fiber, having little, no phytonutrients, have little antioxidants, et cetera and being pro-inflammatory but when we cook it at high temperature so when we fry chicken for example terrible thing and but that's what most people consume you know chicken today is in a fried form fried chicken sandwich or chicken wings or whatever for example but what they started looking at is then how do we look at the reduction of this because going back in history you know when you look at you know even from the greeks and romans even going back even further in in, in different cultures you know is that when they would cook meats they'd always put like strips of rosemary on the meat below the meat and cook the meat. And, you know, a lot of times people think, okay, that's just for the flavors, for the smell. Yes, yes, yes. However, one of the interesting things is they've started to discover is that rosemary has a protective uh, mechanism against the food 
converting into HCA. So in the studies, they take the heterocyclic amines and they take animal protein, for example, it's all animal protein studies because that's what creates HCAs. And just within 352 degrees at four minutes, which is low temperature heat cooking, by the way, um, HCAs start production, okay? And then when you fry the food at say 435 degrees Fahrenheit, it increases the HCAs six times more. Now, the, the challenge is that most standard broilers that we get, like most standard, you know, we're cooking at 500 degrees. And if you went to a fancy steakhouse and someone went to Las Vegas and buy a $120 steak, those steakhouses are cooking their meats at 600 degrees. So it's, again, it's just multiple exponential uh, amounts of HCAs in that meal. But what they started to do is they started looking at, well, what happens, you know, historically when they're using rosemary, was there any other benefits? And although we want to cut down on high temperature food, particularly charred animal protein, um, you want to reduce that if possible as much as you can. They actually took a hamburger. They cooked it at 356 degrees, which is low temperature for 20 minutes. It's a long time to cook something, right? Because they just want to slowly just see what's happening. And they actually just, you know, put sprinkled some rosemary on it before. Uh, both sides before putting them on the grill. And then they, they, they cooked it uh, at the same temperature, uh, you know, some without the rosemary, some with rosemary. And when they measure the heterocyclic amines, it was decreased by 61%, right? So there's this huge benefit of like how certain cultures, even though they're eating something that has a problem, it's the plant foods that is kind of like the, the antidote of reducing some of the toxicities. And some of the extracts in the studies that we're looking at, actually, when they blended it into the food, actually lowered the heterocyclic amines so it wasn't detectable at all. So there's ways. Now, again, you don't want to have too much rosemary because it might alter the taste, but these are ways that we can add things. Now, here's the cool thing. When you're plant-based, and I like to, talk, I like to quote Dr. Uh, Neil Barnard, because he used to talk about this a long time ago at PCRM conferences, the Food for Life courses, uh, which we're part of, is, um, you know, what happens when you grill vegetables? Because everybody will say, okay, you know, I stopped the barbecue, now move plant-based. So I want to, you know, I want to do barbecue, you know, skewers and, you know, I want to grill, you know, all my, my veggies on the grill. You can, but does it create uh, HCAs? No, it doesn't. So what do you get when you have grilled foods, foods on the barbie? Just nice, warm grilled vegetables. You don't have any cancer causing material. So that's one thing that rosemary definitely incorporate that into your food. And if someone's still eating animal protein and they're using a barbecue or they're using high temperature, try to add some rosemary into that food to help decrease their risk of some of these cancer causing materials. Now in the rosemary, there's a couple of components, carcinol, carcinic acid and other components, these have been shown to help suppress and kill cancer cells. And again, it inhibits the initiation and promotion of breast cancer and increases the survival of time with those people with leukemia. And interesting, the thing that they did in certain studies is they were actually looking at radiation sickness due to exposure, like say like a Fukushima or some kind of exposure, you know, uh, environmental exposure. And rosemary is one of the things that actually helps reduce that just due to the strong antioxidant benefits. So these are some things that, you know, we can use not only just for cancer patients, but if there ever was some kind of uh, environmental hazard, these are certain things that we might be looking at to start helping us lower our risk from exposure. It has been shown to help protect against damage from cirrhosis. So it actually, when people take rosemary daily uh, and they actually look in the animal models as well, 
it improves the structural integrity of the liver cells and protects them from, from damage. So these are things, again, that people have either exposure or say someone say, hey, I have an occupational job. I get exposure to chemicals and solvents and paints or in, in construction or I'm, you know, I'm, I'm working with chemicals. That's what I have to do is my job. Then, then consuming this and on top of a lot of the herbs that I mentioned in the past, you can go back and listen, liver health is really something that you can improve. Rosemary extract reduces pain up to 50%. Uh, and those people that have arthritis, it dramatically reduces pain and inflammation. And, and in the rheumatoid patients, it, it actually helped restore normal uh, joint health. So it's that strong of an anti-inflammatory. So these are things that, you know, again, everybody wants to move to an NSAID, uh, which has, you know, black box warnings of heart attack, stroke, and, and GI bleeds. These are the ibuprofen, the Motrin, the Advils, you know, the, the brand names of those kind of um, naproxens and ibuprofens. We want to avoid those, but incorporating more rose can be very, very helpful. Depression and diabetes, it works as well in the studies as, pro, uh, as well as uh, fluoxetine or Prozac. So again, these are things, you know, it helps lowers blood sugar. Uh, they did a study uh, on a diabetic drug called glynase, which they use in other countries. So, you know, it has antidepressant effects, anti-blood sugar effects, um, and memory effects. So one of the things that I strongly recommend people, because we all love rosemary, you know, rosemary, uh, sage, and thyme, uh, th uh, these are things that we actually blend together or we usually smell in fragrances or a little in incense, but the smell can actually enhance your thinking and total recall in studies. So smelling rosemary oil while you're pre uh, performing a mental task will actually improve your memory in the studies. Smelling an essential oil before a test will not only improve your, your memory, uh, but also decreases the anxiety. So it's a great thing that you can do is like, hey, I'm, I'm preparing for a test or I'm studying. Why don't you just get some uh, rosemary? Now you can grow it. You can strip it. Now, when you grow rose, rosemary or you buy it in the store, it comes like in a little, little stock with the little, the little leaves on there. But you can hang it upside down if you want to dry it you know, and keep it for longer. You can hang it upside down in the closet, just hang it upside down, let it dry for a couple of days, and then you can easily just pull off the little, little leaves and you've got a bunch of rosemary. And it's always great to crush, for, like, or if you're using it fresh, you want to kind of give it a little bit of a crush or a little bit of a squeeze to, to kind of extract those essential oils, especially when you're cooking and brings that aroma out. But using rosemary in cooking makes the, the kitchen smell fantastic. Now, going back to hair growth, remember I mentioned just pumpkin seeds earlier, but now rosemary oil has wonderful benefits of using about 1% it's about 10 drops per one ounce of a carrier oil. I like to use organic coconut oil because it has other anti-inflammatory effects and, and antimicrobial benefits of organic coconut oil. Some people can use the MCT because it doesn't have the smell, but it doesn't have that uh, anti uh inflammatory benefit or antimicrobial. Some people who have hair loss also can have a little bit of fungal aspects of the scalp. They're using Nizarol and those kind of antifungal shampoos. So I like to use more of the organic uh, coconut oil, but either or, it, the studies will show that it's very similar to the minoxidil. I mean, they actually did hand-to-hand -hand studies against looking at 5% uh, minoxidil, which is the prescription you know, uh, standard of care uh, in dermatology looking at um, you know, just hair loss in both men and women, topical that. The problem is the topical can cause dermatitis. It can cause, you know, itching and, 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 and other aspects and it stinks. It has a kind of a chemical smell. Nice thing about rosemary is, you know, it smells good. So it might be an alternative for those people who are like, Hey, I've tried minoxidil. I just started having side effects. I couldn't tolerate it. Uh, then this is something that the studies show that is just as effective. It takes a little bit longer, but the outcome is roughly the same. So definitely use more rosemary. Now, I love rosemary and it goes well with vegetables, goes well with, you know, like mashed potatoes, uh, rosemary uh, uh, and, and thyme stuffing, 
uh, sun-dried tomatoes and rosemary swirled bread. I'm really getting hungry when I'm doing this. Garlic and rosemary Hasselback potatoes. That are these over here. So like when you you know cook the potatoes, you're actually slicing it like in a fan-like uh, you know fashion. And then when it bakes, it kind of opens up. So when the herbs and all the you know kind of the the crustiness from the bakingness, it just has a nice texture for potato rather than just kind of baking it and, and sprinkling it on top. Uh, it has a little bit of crispiness on the outside and tenderness on the inside. Uh, and one of my favorite things, just aside of like pastas and everything else like that. Just, just getting a, a tray of root vegetables or any vegetables that you have. You can put a little bit of oil if you want uh, and sprinkle the rosemary and bake it. That's probably the simplest, easiest thing that people can do uh, is using rosemary just on vegetables. And also you can infuse your own oils. So you can get like an olive oil and just put, you know, get a couple of stalks of the uh, um, rosemary and just let it sit there and infuse after you know a week or two and it's a great thing you can just put it in your bottle and for those people who are trying to go like no oil or low oil you can also put it in your balsamic uh, vinegar so that's one thing you know just and you, they sell them now but you can actually just get your own and get grow some in your backyard and just put it in there and it's a wonderful wonderful way to get some of that rosemary acids and some of those components into your diet it pairs well. Rosemary pairs well with ajwan, bay, uh, basil, bay leaf, cinnamon, clove, coriander, garlic, marjoram, nutmeg, oregano, and paprika. And again, some of my favorites, which is sage, sun-dried tomatoes, and thyme. And it complements, you know, chicken, vegan, obviously, grilled vegetables, which I love, pizza, fantastic, vegan pork, because, you know, a lot of the uh, Asian cultures, we have these like substitutes that we like to use, and also tomato sauces, of course, you know, anything that's kind of Italian is a great way to, uh, to, to, to add a little bit more rosemary to that. And lastly, number 40 today is saffron. Saffron is one of my uh, uh, most, uh, most uh, important and favorites to use. Um, Saffron has been shown to, and it's kind of growing in the literature because now saffron is getting a little bit more accessible uh, and a lot more research is, uh, is being performed on it. But for Alzheimer's and Parkinson's disease, uh, it's been helpful for anxiety, cardiovascular disease, atherosclerosis, you know, cancer, depression, erectile dysfunction. Again, two things today that men can use this pumpkin seed uh, and the uh, saffron. Fatigue, high blood pressure, infertility, again, for men, uh, helps with insomnia, helps with calming down people for sleep, uh, macular degeneration and retinal blood flow, memory, again, important menstrual cramps and PMS, great thing for women to use rather than using uh, an NSAID and also multiple sclerosis. Now, what I want to show you here is that for those people who are not familiar, because, you know, we don't, we just see saffron usually in the store and it's like this like little tube, sometimes a little package, a little tube, and it has a couple of these little red or red, yellow, like little filaments. What, they, what these are called, is called stigmas. And the flower, the saffron flower is like this. It's a really, really beautiful purple color. And it really blooms early in the morning, four in the morning. And so it has this peak window. It takes about five years to, to mature the flower. And then it has a certain time where it peaks open. And I'll show you the data of like how many women it takes to start picking. This is a hand-picked crop. This is why it's so expensive. Now, they cut these three things here, these stigmas. And this is what we call is the, the most expensive part on the saffron. Most of what you get here in the store in America is going to be the other parts, which is the stamens, and it goes further down into the base of the plant. But you really want to be looking at just the red stigmas of the saffron. And I'll explain why this is the most expensive because it's handpicked, but why this is one of the most adulterated products because saffron is considered one of the most expensive, if not the most expensive spice in the world. Now, 
for cancer and MS, it's been helpful. It's been shown in cell culture to help uh, treat breast, colon, liver, pancreatic, bladder, cervical, and leukemia cancers. And it also has been shown to reduce the neurodegeneration that occurs in the neurons uh, in patients with MS. So again, cancer, MS, what a great thing to start adding into their diet. For PMS and menstrual cramps, this is great because, you know, this is a, this is, this is a terrible problem that women can have, really bad inflammatory uh, aspect. And then they usually double down on taking something to lower the inflammation, but also has side effects like a ibuprofen, Motrin, or Advil, or Naproxen. Here, 30 milligrams in, in daily you know, in, a, in a capsule in the studies uh, for two consecutive cycles effectively uh, lowered their PMS symptoms. And then taken day one to day three of their cycle for three cycles uh, uh, with 500 milligrams, so this is a higher dose, just at that time when they're having that really bad cramping, significant reduction in the intensity and duration more than the NSAIDs, which would be like an ibuprofen product in the studies. So again, you have to look at, you know, just for three days, could you take a little bit more of this rather than taking an NSAID or, you know, take Bosmeric uh, SR during your menstrual cramps? Fantastic. Can you then take a little bit uh, um, saffron? Yes. And you may not even need to take as much because that synergistic effect of lowering inflammation is key. Brain health. It's been shown to slow Alzheimer's at 30 milligrams. 30 milligrams seems to be the dose that, you know, most of the studies have been using over five months. It did better than Aricept, which is the prescription drug that they give for Alzheimer's disease without any side effects. So anybody that has cognitive issues right now, and they're or they're looking at you know some some early uh, Alzheimer's disease, start getting them uh, uh, eating some more or consuming some saffron products. It protects the brain, the dopamine, and generating brain cells in Parkinson's disease, and it improves memory. Um, depression. So the crocosin and the saffronol compounds, uh, it protects serotonin, dopamine, and norepinephrine. Again, these are neurotransmitters in the brain and in the body. And it actually mild to moderate depression in the studies. Again, 30 milligrams was effective as Prozac and some of the older tricyclic antidepressants. And it overall lowered the scores of, on depression scales when people go into depression studies. It improved that. So again, two things today that were helpful for depression that actually was more effective than Prozac, which was like the number one prescribed you know, antidepressant for decades. Now there's other versions of that. But again, similarly, can we take something and try that? Again, for, for mild to moderate, I would definitely look at adding that into that. And then again, these things would not have a contradiction uh, or a contraindication for anybody who was actually on antidepressant. It would just help improve their mood. Uh, anxiety and insomnia. Saffron extracts reduce anxiety-like uh, activity and increases total sleep time. One of my favorite things is making a saffron tea at bedtime. It's one of my favorite, favorite things to do. Uh, rose tea or saffron tea really, really helps. Now, for men who are listening, erectile dysfunction, okay? So we remember we talked about pumpkin seeds and, and all. Now we're looking at you know saffron. 200 milligrams of saffron extract in the study for 10 days, the men had 44% improvement of ED, right? So like instead of taking Viagra or Cialis or all these other ones um, that, that can have potential, you know, dropping your blood pressure or side effects, vision and other issues, and you can't take it with other medications, for example, or the cost is really expensive. This is something that can be used. But again, these are consistently uh, have to be used. Now, what I want to talk about on saffron is the grades of saffron, because most people here in America, unless you're Middle Eastern or Asian or really into culinary foods, we just kind of go to the store, we buy these little threads and, and we think, okay, here's, you know, saffron and it's expensive, but they don't really understand that what we really get here in the United States in general, in most of the stores is a very, very low grade of saffron. In fact, 
you know, when I went to the, the Middle East, I went to Dubai several years ago and we went to the spice market. And on next week's show, what I'll do is I'll, I'll pull out some of my photos that I, I took when I was there to show you guys what a spice market looks like. It is, is one of the most mind-blowing experiences going down just rows and rows. Some of what you'd see in a movie of just these big sacks and barrels just overflowing of spices. And it just the smells, the colors, the reds, yellows, purples, greens. I mean, also in the whole form. Uh, a lot of times, again, like when we show these uh, on the show, you know, we see it in the store. It's already like ground in a powder form. You know, this is like spice rack. We'd actually never really see what the true spice looks like. And to see it just overflowing is, is, is just an amazing experience. But what you have to understand is since it is a very expensive, labor-intensive spice, there's a lot of adulteration. It's one of the most adulterated spices in the spice world because it's very easy. Even when we were there in Dubai, there was a lot of discrepancies. They will actually show you like these are the different grades. And not only that, these are the fake saffron that is being sold in the stores and how they make it out of other uh, plant particles and how they actually color it red and yellow. Uh, and so it's just, it's just, and the average person won't tell, like, you know, it's a red color, yellow color, little kind of filament and they kind of put in the food. There's even uh, saffron flavorings now that that's what they use. And so they're missing the actual medicinal forms. So there's actually four grades. Some, some places when we say three grades, there's this uh, daste, which is like this whole component here of this, the, this, the flower here. And this is the whole, the, this is the kind of the bottom part of the flower. And what we're really looking at, you know, the better part of the saffron is just these three little stigmas, they call them, right? And what we get here in the United States is a lot of what they call the stamens. And in fact, and not until a long, not until more recently, but in, in the past, like going back before we had like, you know, easy trade and everything else like this, is that in the Middle East and for the kings and all these one, you know, the, the, the higher ends of the society is that the saffron, it was picked and kept for their use in their countries. And the export was this part. That, that's what we got, you know, in most of Europe and most of the United States. And so, you know, the, what they call grade four, it's the bunch form. It's the cheapest form. Okay. Uh, what most people will get is a, a pushali, which is a grade three. So that we're kind of looking at, it's like you're getting a little bit of the, of the stamen and the, as the stigma, and then you're getting a little bit part of the stamen, you get a little bit of this yellow part. So we're going further down in the plant and uh, it has this yellowish tail, right? And so that's why a lot of people think of like saffron having uh, a red and a little bit of a yellow, but that's actually not the best form of saffron. In fact, if you see actually a little bit of yellow, then it's just a lower grade of that. Now, this lower grade though, is used everywhere. So when you go to the grocery store, you go see it. When you get a perfume, it's just, you know, or a fragrance or an incense or, or in the pharmaceuticals, when they do these nutraceuticals, they're using it. So there is some health benefits, but it's not the strongest in terms of phytochemicals and the smell and the fragrance and the color slightly off. Uh, but when you're using it for certain aspects like a fragrance or a perfume, or you're just cooking something very simply, it may not be, you know, you're just trying to get the color or just a little bit of the sense. But when you actually use it, food as medicine, it's worth actually kind of investing in and purchasing higher, higher ends. Again, also, you'll see it in cosmetics. This is, this is the grade three push Hollywood. Now, Sargol, some people say it's grade one, grade two. This is kind of, you know, Sargol used to be the kind of the grade one for, for many, many years. This is just the, this part here. So we're going to say this is just this part right here. So it kind of cuts right here. And you're just getting the stigmata. And the red stigma, you know, is professionally cut. So that means the, the women go and they actually cut it, three in each flower, those little, little, little stigmas, and they're separated by hand. And then they dry it and they take out all these other parts of it. And that provides the maximum flavor aroma for cooking, baking, 
and medicinal and health qualities. Again, there's a, a higher grade for that and the cost of that. But when we go to the, the top grade, which is the best, you know, and that's just getting this, what they call a negin. Negin is a kind of a newer variety of the saffron that's been grown for many, many years now, which is longer and thicker than the common saffron. So this is definitely a lot longer. So it, it, it provides more of that retention of the color, the flavor, uh, the aromatics, and the, and the, and the health components. Um, but it, it is the most expensive spice in the world in saffron is because of the hand labor. It takes five years for the flower to mature. Uh, it's picked by women by hand. And th there's controversies of that as well as in any industry in farming. Um, 150 flowers have to be picked to make one gram of the dried saffron. So when you go to the store, you know, you're getting usually like one gram or sometimes maybe five grams in a small, you know, a little bit larger bottle, uh, 75,000 flowers to pick about a, a pound of saffron. So you can imagine how labor intensive it is like, you know, when people buy these little things, like, why is it so expensive? Because someone's actually picking each of those little um, stigmas. And again, the darker, the richer is what you want. When you see it, like kind of like looking at hair, it looks like a little bit of yellow and orange. And this is what we usually will see in the store. It's a lower grade of saffron. Now, saffron is also grown. You know, the, the best saffron in the world is actually grown in Iran. And so what happens like when the Middle East, like in Dubai, they are able to get it from Iran and they're able to package, you know, with all the trade stuff. And also we're able to kind of get it from there. Um, most of us who go to the store right now, if you went to the health store, uh, you know, uh, most of that is what we call Spanish saffron. Spain, they also grow a lot of Spanish saffron. It's fantastic, but it's not going to be as dark and deep as rich and expensive, but it also is, is it's a little bit more affordable. So it's like, hey, I just want to cook with it. I want to start playing around with saffron and not breaking the bank and kind of just getting a little bit used to the flavor and the taste and, and, and using it. Or if you're using a dish where like a paella, where you could use a lot of it, it's like, wow, that would be, you know, cost prohibitive using this. Then yeah, I would use the Spanish saffron. And in our house, we have both kinds. We have Spanish saffron, which we kind of use for a lot of larger cooking meals. And then when I'm making more of a medicinal thing, like I'm making a tea or making a specific dish that I really, really want, you take these, these dried stigmas and actually you get a mortar and pesty and you actually grind it okay, into a fine powder. And then you add a little bit of water in there. And then you, you never want to add the water first to the stigma before you grind it. Because if you add the water, it will swell and then it won't break and it'll just stick on the, 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 the little mortar and pestle. So what you want to do is you want to grind into a powder, add the water, mix it up, and it'll turn to like a this dark, deepish, reddish, orange color. And then you can put it on your food. And that's really good. A lot of people you'll see like when we see saffron rice and we see these dishes, you know, they kind of sprinkle the the saffron. If you were in the Middle East, they can afford to do that. If you're here, we're using like Spanish saffron, but it's a great and wonderful aromatic and a flavor coloring agent that is natural. It gives that nice reddish orange color. Uh, so like paella, which you know most people know in Spain, we use lots of that. Uh, and we like to make a vegan paella. We, we have like vegan paella parties. And so we're able to you know, change out all the seafood and we use like avocado, uh, we, sorry, artichokes and mushrooms and, you know, sun-dried tomatoes and wonderful like uh, additions, but you can get a big old paella pan and, and, and that's a great thing to do a paella party. Saffron pasta, saffron risotto. Uh, everybody you go to Indian restaurant, the, you know, the, the yellow rice is the kind of commonly, as Americans would say, that's that Indian saffron rice. Um, also in India, in the Middle East, we use saffron in a lot of desserts, a lot of rice pudding, a lot of, you know, ice creams and all. It has this wonderful, wonderful taste. So that's what I like to do. I like to also like to make like uh, something which is like a, a drink in the summertime is getting fresh lime, you know, squeezing the fresh limes. Again, 
doing this, you know, grinding the uh, saffron in a mortar pesti, adding a little bit of the water, pouring that into the, the jug, also then grinding the cardamom, as I mentioned before in one of my earlier episodes, and putting some cardamom, saffron, put the, the lime, fill it up, you know, fresh filtered water. You can put a little bit of stevia, monk fruit, or honey to sweeten it. It is a most fantastic, refreshing drink that you'll ever drink. Uh, and it has all these wonderful medicinal uh, healing qualities. So this is one thing I wanted to share with everybody today is saffron and making sure that you're buying the best kind of saffron. I do have a, for those who are interested in, in, in what we purchase, particularly the expensive kind, uh, please email us. You can go to products at sangevini.net. That's products at Sanjevani, spelled S-A-N-J-E-V-A-N-I.net. I just sent us an email saying, hey, where do you, I just want to, I saw you on Chef AJ. Um, what, uh, which uh, place do you get your, um, you know, expensive, wonderful saffron? And we'll, we'll send you the, the link uh, to that. Again, sometimes it costs a little bit more. It's worth it. And it's going to be shipped from, you know, Dubai still worth it. Uh, these are also things that you can give as a wonderful gift because it shows like, wow, you spent, you know, so instead of buying some generic gift, some other generic gift set for a holiday, you know, just get like, you know, 25 grams or 15 grams, 25 grams will usually cost about $130. So it's, you know, it's a small little uh, uh, thing, but they have smaller samples, you know, five grams or something, but I like to give people enough because they don't want them to use it. And if they use it correctly, th- you will never go back to using the cheap saffron, by the way. It's like one of those things, like once you try something that's really good and the flavor, the taste and the health benefits, you're like, wow, what am I missing? And this is why, you know, spices are so important. And this is why also why that we don't get exposed to the, the benefit of the spice or, or we're never given the true opportunity to experience the real spice. And therefore, we just kind of think of like, oh, yeah, there's some kind of saffron. You know, it's a couple of, you know, it's like $10 for a couple, like two, three little strands at the store. And they didn't know what to do with it. So one thing I wanted to make sure is that people have saffron and try to use it. Um, it pairs with almond, cinnamon, clover, coriander, cumin, mint, and nutmeg. Oh, yeah. Mint and uh, and saffron, fantastic. You'll see a lot of desserts that do that and kind of blend a little bit of that. You can even make a nice, like, refreshing drink or smoothie. Um, fantastic. And it complements, like, again, couscous, flan, curries, nuts, polenta, puddings, rice, soups, and any kind of vegan chicken uh, product. But it's something that you can actually marinate and soak. Again, that color, that flavor just in, just kind of embeds itself. It's a wonderful thing. And a lot of people like you'll go to if you ever go to any place like they have spice markets, but we also use a lot of fragrances. So you'll see a lot of fragrance perfumes using uh, saffron. And that's something that just is a a wonderful aroma and fragrance. So there's some foods that can also be used in, in a variety of actually not only topical, but also aromatics. And that is number um the last number today, which is Saffron. So I want to thank everybody for listening to the show and I'll be open for questions. Again, you can go to sendjevony.net to learn more, sendjevonystore.com to look at our products. You can get a copy, a signed copy of our book and Inflammation Nation, or you can purchase our natural anti-inflammatory Bosmeric at bosmeric.com. All right. Thank you, Dr. Pai. So if you, if there are, okay, you know, we probably should have asked that it's the first show and I think we did. Are you only doing spices or are you doing herbs as well? Well, it's uh, on this is both, right? Because some of these things are herbs and spices. So that's that's what the the, the 50 are. Uh, some of them, as you mentioned before, like are, they're used as spices. But like when you think of pumpkin seeds, people don't think of like some of these things that I mentioned in the past. Like they think of a spice of like, uh, you know, coriander, cumin, you know, and, and stuff like that. But we've covered uh, uh, both in, in this in this series. 
Nice. And do you only want questions on the spices you covered? Or sometimes people just send in questions specifically for you, medical ones too. Right? Yeah, you can do either or. Um, on the ones that I'm not covering today, then I'd have to go back because there's so much to talk about. But yeah, definitely have, if there's questions on the ones today, I'll be glad to answer or just any general medical question. The other thing, just letting you know, is that what we're planning to do is when we finish this series, we're going to do like spice blends. So I'll do a, maybe a show on spice blends. So like how you can then put them together. And so this would be like your maybe Caribbean spice blend. This is going to be your Mediterranean spice blend. This is going to be your Indian spice blend. So, so although I like having each individually, cause that's how we cook at our house, Marina and I were like, we love to do that whole recipe thing. But for most people who are like busy on the go, then it's like, Hey, spend a little bit of time, make the blend. And then you can just sprinkle that kind of combo and get all those flavors into those kind of dishes very simply. Great. Thank you. Well, this um, there, this has never been asked before, and this is the 10th in the series, but both Janet and Dixie said, is there any way to download your slides? I haven't thought of that. <laughs> I'll have to figure out how to do all that. Uh, that's a good idea. Okay. Maybe yeah. you can have them somewhere. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And uh, let's see. Uh, Donna wants to know, where can you buy saffron? I've seen it at like Whole yeah. Foods, Trader yeah. Joe's. So, 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 so when you buy those at Whole Foods and Trader Joe's and stuff like that, that's usually going to be Spanish saffron in general. And you have to be careful of even some of those might be adulterated because again, this is just an industry, like all supplements, all spices, it's non-regulated per se. And due to that high margin of cost, there's a lot of adulteration and fake uh, products. I'll give you an example. Like when we when we're in Dubai and when we went to a spice shop. So when they, so they like have the street vendors and then they have people that sell it. Well, when you actually buy saffron because it's so expensive. And remember, they're they're picking out the best of the best, right? Like we just get at the store, we're getting this the statement the 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 statements, and they're getting the stigmas, right? Is uh, the most important part. So you go into the shop, and some of the shops are like jewelry stores. The real good ones are like jewelry stores. You go in, it's all glass. It's like, a, you know, and you're sitting down like if you went to go buy gold. If you've ever been to a gold market in, 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 in Middle East, it's, it's also an amazing thing. It's like gold everywhere. Like people buy gold. We don't see that here in America, really. But what they do is they actually measure it. So you'll sit there behind the, you know, like you're going to like if you're going to buy like say a wedding ring or you know a fancy jewelry for an anniversary or something like that. You go, you sit down with them instead of the jeweler. You're you're sitting down to the shop owner of the who gets the saffron, and they actually measure with a digital scale. They measure it out by grams or portions of a gram. And then it's packed. So it's not like, oh, I just get it and I grab it off the shelf and give it to someone. It's like weighted by the weight and the cost of that time, just like gold. So that's why it's so expensive. Now we go to the store, we buy something and it's, it's a little bit, who knows? I don't think it's bad. I don't think it's, it's dangerous at all. But a lot of times it's not real. I mean, the, 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 the delicacy of how and, and the intricacy of how they make it look real like they were even showing like in, in in the area there in the spice markets because it's such a common thing because everybody wants to buy saffron when they go. But there's also a market of selling American saffron because they want to take it home with them and give it as gifts. But it's actually there's a whole uh, fake industry. So if they're, if they're interested in knowing the brand that we do, just go to products at sendgemini.net, email us and we'll let you know. I don't want to be promoting someone's random website. So I just want to be like, hey, um, Go ahead and we'll, for those people who are interested, but you know, about 25 grams, which is what I would normally order, which is, you know, it's a good size. It's not a small little thing, uh, but it's not also too big. It's about 130, $140, you know, uh, on average, you know, then you have to ship it and all that kind of stuff like that. And it has to come through, you know, world carriers like DHL or something. But those are things like when you're looking at, like, I want to experience something. 
Um, now you can probably go to a really nice shop and, and, and purchase it. But also when you know when you get a small amount, if you don't use it right, then a lot of people why they're afraid of saffron is because they have they buy the little thing, maybe ten dollars for a few strands and then they drop it <laughs> or they lose it or falls into the food and they didn't they didn't they weren't able to extract the flavor and they're like, oh my God, I just lost ten dollars or fifteen dollars. And so it's it's kind of learning how to handle it, how to use it. So I use the inexpensive one like more like a decoration on like say if I'm doing a big dish like a paella, but when we're doing something like a tea or using it as a medicine or really, really making a stronger flavor, I use the more expensive. Megan. Nice. Thank you. Uh, Stacey, uh, uh, Stephanie wants to know, are sprouted pumpkin seeds more nutritious than raw pumpkin seeds? Anything that's sprouted usually has a higher nutrient density. So yes. Now it's very interesting. It's hard to measure that because, you know, the industry, when they make nutritional charts will just say like, this is the food itself. But we do know that there will be a higher nutrient density in sprouted. So if you can get now, the, the difference though, the challenges for, for most people is cost. Because when I was at the store the other day, I was looking at, you know, some organic sprouted sun, sunflower, uh, some pumpkin seeds in a bag. And it was like, maybe $14 or something like that, where you can get, you know, just the organic, some uh, pumpkin seeds, for maybe a couple bucks, right? So it was many, many more times, you know. So if you can afford it, please do. Um, but I, I wouldn't make it a game changer of not, uh, not eating pumpkin seeds. The other thing is that th when they do roast it, though, it does decrease the nutrient uh, content because of the heating process. So, but the, I, but a lot of us love the crunch and the taste. That's what most people crave is the roasted sunflower seeds, pumpkin seeds, those kind of things like that. So I like to mix them. I always recommend mixing because that's a good way to transition your brain and the crunch and the chew rather than just being all crunchy and losing a little bit of the magnesium and the nutrients and the phytosterols, for example, the pumpkin seeds, and then getting it raw. Sometimes when people are used to the crunchiness, the raw is too chewy. So I like to blend things together. That's the easy way. Now I just love eating the raw pumpkin seeds just by itself. But in general, the roasted for most people when they're introduction to seeds, that's what they kind of gravitate towards. Well, I love that you're a fan of seeds and it just shows with your nut allergy, you don't have to eat nuts. You won't drop dead if you don't eat nuts. No, and there's so many like, you know, so like, you know, when you make pestos and all these, other, I mean, there's always sunflower seeds, pumpkin seeds, pepitas that we can make, that we can use it as a topping. And so one of the things is like, uh, you know, even for me in the plant-based world, you know, everything that's kind of a vegan cheese, it's cashew. So I can't go to any of these restaurants that have cashew cheese which is everything, right? Cashew cream. Ca so it's learning like how to then find alternatives or how to like learn how to. So it's been a, a challenge, but also it's been a, it's a blessing because it's made me explore a variety of other foods that most people just like, I just use everything cashew based. And so you go to restaurants and they're only using like one ingredient for all their varieties. And but if you have that sensitivity, then you have to learn like, well, maybe I can make a cheese out of multiple different uh, ingredients. Absolutely. Thank you. So this question is, I think this is your number one fan, Richard, who's watching live. He's been on the show before. It's not about a spice, but he says uh, that he wants to know about, he has toenail fungus and he's been using a topical limacil and they look much improved. However, the doctor wants to give him a month course of oral limacil to, I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right, so I apologize, to ensure the fungus is gone. Is there a better natural remedy? The doctor's guessing he developed this when he was unhealthy and pre-diabetic. Antifungals are very interesting. When you have toe fungus, you know, it grows 
in the nail. So when they give oral medications or supplementation or antifungals, why it's a longer course is because it has to grow into the body and then grow from the base of the nail outwards. You know, so it's a, it's a slower grower. It's not just like, you know, now some people put topicals. I'm not familiar with that component, uh, uh, with toenail fungus and, and the internal aspect. So I can't comment on the safety or the thing, uh, the use of it, but usually if you're taking anything orally, uh, for toenail fungus, it is a longer course. It's several months because it takes months just for it to grow out uh, from the nail. And you'll see the base of the nail. If you can see the base, of the nail will be clear. And then the top, you know, it'll push out the, the fungal infection. So it's not like a lot of people like they want to just put a topical and they want to just treat the, 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 the top of it, but the nails growing from the, from the ba the back of the base all the way forward. And so, yeah, you can use topical. I know that people use like tea trees and other kind of things like that. You got to be careful with some of those uh, oils because you actually can burn the skin. Um, anyway, so that's, that's something that, that you could use, but I'm not familiar with that. So I can't answer that. Thank you. Um, there's a question from a live viewer named Joyce. How much saffron do you have to use in a dish to get the flavor? How much do you need to take each time to get the health benefits? Well, so not much. So that's the benefit. But you have, like I mentioned before. So if I take like three or four, uh, you know, I use three or four of those stamens, right? So it's, you know, or sorry, the stigma, sorry, uh, the red little filaments. I call them filaments because they like remind me like a filament in a light or something. Because um, they're that small. I can get three or four of them you know, maybe a little bit more, but it's really using it. Like if you use the mortar and pestle and you grind it into that powder, it'll look like a, it almost looks like a lipstick. It almost looks like a, you know, like it's like a really a dark red. And then you add a little bit of water and you mix it. That's really helping extract that. Cause a lot of people just take it out and they'll just kind of, you know, grind. It's like how you do rosemary. Like, you know, like you want to grind rosemary, but rosemary is inexpensive. You can just grow it super cheap. So, you know, you just kind of grind it with your hands and sprinkle it on the food. Whereas with this, you really want to, you want to extract that. And if you have it in a liquid, then when you put in the food, you will definitely enhance it. So what I would do is I would start with maybe two or three of those um, stigmas, grind it up, depending on the size of them, grind it up, add the water, and then add it to the food. That's just going to be enough to get some of that health benefits. And definitely you'll definitely notice the color and the flavor will come out simply from that. So it's not a, you don't have to use a lot um, but you have to use it correctly. Because again, a lot of people just throw it on the rice and it doesn't really cook in it. And so you really want to kind of extract it out, then put it in the rice. You want to put a few like Spanish saffron for the for the the visual. That's fine. But really, when you're cooking with it, I'd be using a little bit more of the expensive stuff if possible. I can't hear you. Sorry about that. One of the Instagram viewers is saying you're supposed to soak your toes in kefir to improve toenail fungus. Okay. <laughs> I haven't heard that. <laughs> okay. Well, and one of the Instagram viewers say, how do I watch the previous nine episodes? Great question. Welcome Instagram. We're new to streaming there. This is a YouTube show where we're doing a multi-streaming. So we can't really see your comments and questions as easily as if you were to watch on YouTube. If you don't want to do that, that's okay. But all the previous nine episodes, as well as 1,841 other episodes of Chef AJI, Chef AJ Live, can't even say my name, are on YouTube. So you did like there was no R spices today. And I have a question. This is from me about rooibos. Okay. Okay. So, and this is so true. I just found out yesterday that a dear friend of mine has been in the hospital for a week with acute liver failure and the specialist treating her concluded it was rooibos tea that she started consuming regularly in December. So uh, have you heard about that? I have not heard about 
uh, Roy Boy's tea, you know, was uh, causing liver issues. However, there's contamination again with teas, right? So, so the issue is, is it the actual tea? Most likely not because people have been using and consuming that tea for centuries or if not longer. The, the challenge with most teas is that most teas are either adulterated or they're not organic. So they're teas and coffees, for example, are one of the most heavily sprayed commodities. And so they have, it's, it's a leaf, it's sprayed with pesticides, herbicides. So when people concentrate those things, just like, you know, recently the studies with generic turmeric products and, you know, every day there's something that comes out and we find out at the end of the day, once they investigate, which they will, it's not the tea itself or it's not the food item itself. It's what has been sprayed on it or what was contaminated with. Just like recently, there was contamination with children, with the babies eating the applesauce. I don't know if you saw that whole uh, fiasco with those little applesauce, cinnamon applesauce in those little pouches. The cinnamon contains super high levels of lead, uh, lead chromate. That's something that they use to, to color the spices to make them look darker. Uh, so same thing, they use with turmeric a lot. They use it to, to make it look like a brighter color. Also the foil pouches. So sometimes it could be even packaging that could be uh, the contaminant. But to my knowledge, I would not find probably any issue with that causing liver issues in the literature. And it, but also it does sometimes the amount a person takes make a difference because this will be very interesting to find out what it was. Um, you know, not necessarily. And, and interesting thing is like, I, I would probably first look at supplements. I'd probably look at other food ingredients. So like, you know, they always like to pick something like this is what they were taking a liver tea or something, but it could be any of the 20, 30 things if they're like trying to treat themselves or, or getting some kind of holistic health advice. Uh, that's why potency, purity, safety, efficacy is key. And that's why when we provide or we recommend products, that's why we have to look at certificate of analysis and ensuring, you know, is it in clinical study? How's it grown? How's it produced? How's it processed? And what is the dose they're getting? And when people just shop online or they go to Amazon or just go get something from a health provider, uh, they might be, it's kind of buyer beware. And that's why we're always raising the, the, the industry bar. And that's why when people read my book in Inflammation Nation, just when we go into the Bosmeric, just for four ingredients, for example, the detail of what we do and why okay. all makes the difference of someone getting better or someone not. This is interesting because my friend, I, I asked permission to ask the question without saying the name of my friend. And my friend said there are six case studies in the medical literature showing that rooibos caused liver damage. So it might be, so it's correlation, not causation, number one. And so again, even when we look, and I'm just putting in this in, and it could be like, don't get me wrong. It could be like you're taking too much of a dose of something could have caused liver issues. But when we look at any herbal product in the last, since the eighties, when they started looking at these things, Ginkgo, garlic, you know, kava, kava, this, that, you name it throughout the literature, even the turmeric in the most last couple of years, it's always about contamination. It's always about adulteration. So these are things that, you know, processors. So it could be like even how they process it or where they grow it can be a contaminated batch or the area of country where they're getting more heavy metals. Because, for example, certain teas, for example, that are grown in China and other places, uh, even in India, we have high heavy metals in the tea because when the pollution then rains down into the plant, the plant is just reabsorbing into the leaf and we're concentrating that leaf. Then we're having that tea multiple times a day. So then it's we're getting heavy metals from the plant source, right? Just there's a bio concentration of that. So sourcing of teas is important as well and understanding that. And some things are out of our hands. Like you wouldn't know where it's coming from. It just says roboy tea, but it could be coming from a place where the contamination, again, 
some of it's not necessarily purposeful. Some of it's just environmental, but that's usually an exposure in itself. If there is high levels, then we will have to recommend people not doing that. But I haven't heard it. I'm not familiar with that. Okay. Well, we'll let you know. I'll keep you updated because it's sure. a very good friend of mine. Dr. Pai, yeah. this was wonderful. So we have S-T-U-V-W-X-Y-Z. We've got eight letters left. And, yes. two show, and two shows left. Yes, we have coming up next, we'll have sage, we'll have sesame, we'll have star anise and sun-dried tomatoes next Ooh, week. Oh, love sun-dried tomatoes. That yes. makes everything better. It's such a pleasure having you on the show. Thank you yes. so much, Dr. Yes. Pai. Thank you, everybody. Go to sendgemini.net and sign up for our newsletter. We'd love to follow us on Instagram, follow us on Facebook. And uh, thank you for having me on the show and see you next month. It's always my pleasure. And you were on Instagram today. And thanks yes. all of you for watching another episode of Chef AJ Live. Please come back at 2 p.m. Pacific time for another wonderful guest. It's Dr. Will B, the Gut Health MD, doing a Q&A. Take care, everyone. Bye-bye. Just takes a little longer to end the show now because I have to end it on Instagram and then I have to end it here. So I'll see if I can share it with you on your Instagram. Okay, Dr. Right. Pye? Thank you. Take care. Bye-bye.